Welcome to this week's Gaming the Podcast. I'm John Robertson, joined by Stace Harmon, and this week we're actually going to be talking about uh, a variety of games, and it's the games that have caught our eye most throughout August. This is going to be something that we do at the end of each month, or after each month is finished, depending on how the dates fall. Um, so yeah, a little bit more of a, an informal chat. So... Um, Stace, I mean the obvious question: What games <laughs> have you been playing in August? None. I don't. I don't play video games. What are you talking about? Um, so the, I've got. I've been playing a bunch of games, as you'd expect, and there are some just mainstays that are always on my list. Uh, for people that have listened to this podcast before, they'll know that Hades is a big mainstay. I mean, as it is for a lot of people, it's not like I'm being particularly unique or um, different in in that selection. But also, uh, Slay the Spire and West of Loathing um, were also games that I played. Quite a lot of, along with Humankind and Psychonauts 2 that we've previously talked about, both of those games on this podcast throughout August. So, um, the games that I want to talk most about today are Operation Tango, which I played courtesy of it being a PlayStation Plus game, uh, which is a two player only game for those people that don't know. And also That Dragon Cancer, which is from a good long while ago. Um, about five years old now, I think that game is. And they're two games that caught my imagination for different reasons. Uh, and that I think it'd be interesting to, to dig into. And John, you've also got a couple of games, right, to talk about. Were there, yeah. do you have like an honorable mentions list? Is that, did that happen yeah. for you? Either? I mean, I've been playing Valheim every week since, not since quite since launch, but since a few weeks after it came out. Well, not launch, mm. but early access. Uh, but in Valheim, we've the me and the group I play with have finished all of the bosses that are in the game. Now we've explored all of the biomes. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got pretty much everything there is to do in the game. There is an update coming out on the sixteenth, I think, of September, mid mid September. Um, so we'll probably dive back into that then. But yeah, haven't um, haven't played that for a week or so since we uh, finished it. Um, getting back into the Yakuza game, so I'm going through them. So I'm still at mm-hmm. Yakuza Kiwami, which is remake of Yakuza One or remaster of Yakuza One. Um, been playing a few shooters, Rainbow Six Siege. I've started playing again. The Back for Blood beta played earlier in the month. Um, mm, I was away for that. I did. Uh, I wanted to dig into that, but I was I was away, so I'll have to get it at launch, I guess, which is not too long ago long away so but yes um, Baldur's Gate 3 I think is probably the game I've played the most in August and I'm currently the most interested in got the most to say about and uh, as of this past weekend I've been playing the Call of Duty Vanguard Alpha which obviously the game is an alpha so it's not a full game and the alpha's stopped <laughs> mm-hmm. now um, it's a pretty small alpha but uh, yeah it's in, it's interesting there's some interesting stuff to say about it obviously that's not one of the games I've played the most because it's only it was only on for a couple mm. of days but um mm. Yeah, it's, in- it's interesting. I like a bit of Call as of a, Duty. As a long-term... So uh, you as a long-term Call of Duty franchise player and me as somebody who somehow has avoided or just not engaged with that series really at all, I'm interested in yeah hearing your thoughts on what's new because that I feel like that's the closest I get to being 
like, oh, what's in the new FIFA this year? Like, I just have no idea really about Call of Duty. It's just not in my uh, wheelhouse, either in interest or in ability. Uh, we've <laughs> talked about my yeah. first-person shooter ability, <laughs> competitive first-person shooter ability, especially previously on this podcast with regard to Apex Legends. Um, I'm sure we'll get into that again here. But yeah, so I'm interested in hear about, hearing about what's new in Call of Duty. Um, well, so for a, well, for a game that I have played, though, more of, and that I know you've played too, uh, let's start the conversation perhaps at Operation Tango, which is a two-player only game. As I mentioned, I played it courtesy of it being a PlayStation Plus game. Um, it's also on basically every other platform. Um, and the thing I think that I found most interesting about Operation Tango is its, is its entire kind of form and function of it being very specifically a two-player only game and i'm finding that i'm increasingly interested in different ways to play games or different experiences that are kind of built as a very specific uh thing or a, a specific expression of an idea and so operation tango i would say isn't i mean it's not the most amazingly um executed game but there what was a lot of, of, of interest what about sort it. of game well, how would you describe the game though like what for people who haven't played it like what hmm. sort of game is it so like what genre is it what do you have to do it's a two-player asymmetrical game where it's a cooperative game you're both um playing either an agent like a field agent uh or a hacker and you both take up one of those roles and you have to communicate over voice chat because you both see different things. That's where the asymmetrical part of it comes in. Your roles are different, but also what you actually experience during the game is different. And so, um, it is, it's in the vein for me. One of the things it's in the vein of, and it reminds me most of is the, uh, the bomb game whose name is now escaping me. Keep, uh, talking, keep nobody talking and explodes. nobody explodes. That's the one. Keep talking and everybody dies is what it tends to be in our house. But yeah, that. It reminds me of that. Like you're both seeing different things. You're interacting with the game in a different way. And communication is a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah and that's been, and you can chew, you can chop and change. You can play each level. Uh, you can switch roles if you want to. But the way that I played through it was I played through it entirely as the hacker and my partner was the, um, the agent. And I will probably go back through it again with the roles reversed. Yeah, and that's, so I've yeah. only played as the agent. So right. on the train at the start, uh i think it's the second level maybe the train mm -hmm. um yeah i was the one going through the train and having to look for the people yeah. that the descriptions matched um yeah and the hacker gets like the information is basically hacking into people's uh like profiles digital profiles and, and reading out their information to the agent who's then trying to identify a particular person on the train mm. um and i think the thing that i I most liked about it was the way in which I played it because, and the way in which it needs to be played, which is that communication it encourages or demands really communication between the two parties. And it's not, it's communication because you're both seeing a different thing. You have to really listen to each other. It isn't a, you're in a party and you're all seeing the same thing. A la, I guess, you know, like Back for Blood or something to that effect, Baldur's Gate, where you're seeing the same thing on the screen and it's like, okay, this is how we're going to tackle these things. It's more, okay, this is what I see. It reminds me a bit of the old, just to age myself, the old kids TV program Nightmare, where it's like, mm -hmm. you have to tell somebody, this is what I can see, this is what you need to do, and then you, you feed back to one another. Um, 
And it's the, I think, yeah, so as, as well as the form, what is refreshing about it for me is the way in which um, the developer and publisher, Clever Plays, has gone about it. And they've released it as a game that only one person needs to own. So yes, it was a PlayStation Plus game, which obviously makes it easy for lots of people to have access to it. But on other platforms as well, it's a game that you don't need. And I find things fall down at this point sometimes that you might be really interested in a game. It looks cool. You want to play it multiplayer, co-op with somebody. And then you have to convince them and almost pitch it to them and be like, oh, check this game out. It looks really Mm. cool because they need to buy it. And that requires obviously buy-in from a financial perspective but also if that's a, if it's a thing they haven't heard of or they're not specifically interested in there's a certain amount of groundwork that has to be done to make that a thing that you can do together mm. operation tango is just i've got this game you know let me stick it on and we can just both jump into it and you can experience it as well and you can play with like uh random people as well if you want to um never tried that, that i don't know how how no, attractive that sounds it's not you might not get to me lucky. honestly yeah <laughs> well yeah but yeah for me it's very much a you do it with somebody that you know and uh and yeah and, and it and it works really well that way and i think it's just quite refreshing that that's been the approach yeah um, i mean it takes two successful you know? as well it takes two you only have to buy one copy and then two people right. can play um yeah which is good because that game was launched at £35, mm. I think, or £40 on, on um, PlayStation, digital, Yeah, PSN. I think Tango's only sort of 12 or 15 quid or something if you have to buy it. So, yeah. So removing those barriers, like, because, you know, there's particularly for people that aren't, aren't wholly invested in video games, there's enough barriers to entry as it is. So being able to get somebody in, involved just by saying let me put this game on and invite you to it is you haven't got to download anything. You haven't got clear space on your hard drive, which is the, you know, the uh, perennial pain in the backside that we all experience. You can just, um, yeah, you can just jump in. So yeah, that's uh, really, that's been one of the more sort of refreshing titles that I've played throughout August. As I say, I don't think it's the best design game. I think there's some stuff that could have enhanced it. And if they do potentially, if there is DLC or there's different sort of mission packs, there's some stuff I'd like to see with like increasing the interaction between the two players, but yeah, but yeah, it's it was an enjoyable experience, probably more so than it was a good game, if that uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think um, I, I wish the game was longer because I think the, I think we finished it in a in a day or a, mm. not a day, even a, an evening. Mm. Um, I remember some of the levels being a bit inconsistent as well. There's one where you have to go through. Um, as the agent, you're going through like what looks like a small like town scene, like a f- carnival or mm-hmm. something. And I thought that level was just not. That was that was my least favorite level. There was just there was a lot of just I don't know, just doing the same thing, avoiding yeah. the sight of the vision cone of people. Oh in a yes, very I know which one you mean. Of, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just felt a bit sort of haphazard and less precise than yeah. than the other yeah. puzzles. Yeah, I know, yeah, and yeah, I know which one you mean. It's almost like a proof of concept. So like, yeah, this works. This look, but it need, needed to be, or would have benefited from being fleshed out and made something more. But hopefully, the game was successful enough um, for them that they it's a thing they want to pursue and that they you know could do more of because just those things that that encourage you to play in a different way is. You know, like getting into a new genre of film or a new a new style of 
directing or filmmaking, it's like I'm interested to seek those things out and, and give them a try. So Operation Tango, um, and I, yeah, I'd recommend it for sure. Uh, it's not, you know, again, it's not a game of the year contender, but it's it's a good, yeah, it's a potentially good only one evening, but potentially, yeah, I think we played it over a couple of evenings. Um, and then you've got the option of switching roles and going back through it as the other person, which again, I'm interested in doing to, because that again changes the experience from a, you now have foreknowledge of what the other person is seeing because you've been that role and how that changes the dynamic, how that changes the communication between the two parties. And oh yeah, I remember that when I was doing that, I found that X was useful. Like it's just, it just kind of, I don't know, enlivens the, the conversation more than just, you know, kind of sitting in silence, going and get that, that power up and, oh, I'll take on this boss and you do that. So yeah, it's, uh, different ways to, to mute, to communicate. So I wonder then, does it make sense to jump in? Because talking about that, that kind of multiplayer and communication sort of focused approach, it feels like that segues quite neatly into either of your games, actually, uh, either Baldur's Gate or, or Call of Duty. So have you got a, which one well, do you think is Well, I guess let's most start with Baldur's Gate prevalent? 3 because there's, oh, well, I've played it much more and there's much more to talk about with it. The Vanguard beta uh, alpha was so small. Mm. Um, it's kind of limited um, impressions of it, I guess, uh, and limited hours on it. Um, but yeah, Baldur's Gate. Uh, so I've had. So it. what's your what's your sort of history? Like, is this the first time you played a game like this? Do you remember the original Baldur's Gates? Like, where where are you coming at this from? Well, I know you not... play D and D, obviously, but where are you coming yeah, at this it's, from? Yeah, it's certainly not the first time I've played a game like this. Um, whether it's Divinity or um, Pillars of Eternity. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I've played plenty of um, games like this. The original Baldur's Gates 1 and 2. Um, no, I've played Baldur's Gate 2. Well, I had both of them as a kid, but I just don't think I just don't think I had the patience for it. Mm. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't be bothered. I think it's a t- I think it's as a kid, I think I tried, I started them about 10 times. Yeah. And got about two hours in, maybe each time. So I probably got about 20 hours game time on him, but I haven't got past the first, like the little in Baldur's Gate 2, like the little castle yeah. courtyard place. Yeah. Starting. There are games that um, came with like an instruction book that looked a bit like a RPG source book. They're yeah. like 100 plus pages, and there's an expectation that you're going to read it or that you're going to at least be familiar with it. So yeah, yeah I can imagine that, you know, but, it's not for everybody for sure yeah but it's super familiar because it has well not only am i familiar with D from playing D tabletop game but it's so similar in a lot of ways to divinity original sin 2 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so similar i mean the, the combat is really where it deviates but again there's a lot of similarities because divinity is kind of based on D in, in a way mm. but the way the action mm. points work and stuff like uh yeah. you know in borders gate you have bonus actions actions in divinity you have action points and they do work in a different way but they're kind of similar the, the idea is you're limited in what you can do in each turn yeah um and then there's dice rolls in Baldur's gate which again are more explicit than what's happening in divinity but divinity does have a similar sort of thing going on depending on how you've built your characters it just happens in the background you don't see the dice rolls mm. Um, so it's not wildly different. There's just like a lot of sort of aesthetic thing, um, considerations and stuff in Baldur's Gate that do bring it more towards D&D, which is fun. Um, it is really fun. I mean, as someone that plays D&D 
it's unfair, I suppose, is the way to put it, to compare. And I think some of the things that I've read from um, people who have played a lot of Baldur's Gate 3 as well, Early Access, um, and I should point out, I've had it since it first came out, day one, Early Access, which was like mm. late last year, um, like third quarter or maybe start of the fourth quarter last year. I can't remember, September, October it came out. Um, maybe even earlier than that actually um anyway it's been out since last year but there's been a significant patch patch five um which came out recently and been playing it through since then and it is a lot better like it looks better right um there's a lot more dice rolls added um which is neat like there's it's just a lot cleaner it's a lot crisper um there's still a lot of stuff missing um but yeah how's the role-playing element like do you get Maybe this is what you're going to go and talk about, but I'm wondering about the role playing versus, even versus sounds like the wrong language, but versus something like sitting down to play D&D around a table well, with some friends. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, and this is, yeah, it's kind of what I was going to say. So mm. comparing it to D&D, straight D&D is unfair. Mm. Uh, of course, people are going to because Baldur's Gate is official D&D. Baldur's Gate is a place in Feyran, yeah. a D&D world. Um, and there's all the D&D like you know classes and spells and terminology and jargon mm. and stuff in it uh and i have read some articles of people saying that Baldur's gate isn't very Baldur's gate 3 isn't very good because it doesn't feel like dnd tabletop game but i mean how was it ever going to really yeah. like depending and, and also what does a dnd tabletop game feel like like that's that's like mm. depending on what dm you've got and what players you're with that's wildly different so trying to distill everyone's personal D experiences into a single product that works for everyone it's like, oh yeah this reminds me of the tabletop that's just not gonna work um it also sounds like it's setting it up to fail at something that it wasn't even trying to do in the first place which yeah. isn't very fair either no. so it wasn't trying to be dnd it wasn't trying to replace your dnd experience no, no, it was no. just it, it's just a dnd based on those rules yeah it's a thing that's based on dnd rules and set in a dnd world and uses dnd spells and characters and character classes um so uh, i mean it's no it's much more rigid than D D, as mm. you would expect mm. as, as how as how could it possibly not be like how how can you program it in such a way so that you just do whatever you want so like minor illusion for example in D D tabletop game mm. can be any old like whatever you want almost depending yeah. on how sort of yeah. loose your D, your dungeon master is but uh in this it's just a distraction so it just like distracts yeah. um in combat it will like distract people or if you want just distract people because you want to you want their line of sight to turn because you want to mm-hmm. try and lock pick this lock this box that you're supposed to that you're not supposed to lock pick then you can use it like that yeah um so it's, it's a far, it's a mechanical interpretation it, but a useful mechanical interpretation it's useful in yeah a video it's just game. very single just not as minded in how yeah. you use it yeah um but you know it's fine like and it's fun you just got to you just got to say like i'm in a video game now and yeah. someone who loves divinity i'm really seeing Baldur's gate 3 more is more divinity than i am more D mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so all of these things don't really matter i think the combat in divinity is actually probably better currently than the combat in Baldur's gate 3 the action and the bonus action right. system doesn't work that well compared to the action point system in Divinity, it feels like you're very limited in Baldur's Gate and what you can do in a single turn compared to what you can do in Divinity, especially as Divinity's you start leveling feels, up. 
it has the it has the action and and bonus action almost implicitly because it's like this thing only costs you know one action point whereas this one costs three and it's like if i've got anything left at the end of my turn do i do i carry that over or do i just use it on this and that's effectively your bonus action isn't it kind of like it's and and that's where i think divinity's combat feels more uh it's more tactical in that you Mm. can choose to carry things over Whereas in Baldur's Gate, you can't. You've got your action, you've got your bonus right. action. If you've got a special uh, item or whatever, you might have two bonus actions or whatever, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not to say I don't like the combat, because I do, and in Baldur's Gate, I do. Um, and I play it with other people as well. So I have played mm. it just by myself, and you, I go around with my party of four, all controlled by me. But... I prefer to play it as I play Divinity with each person as a single character. Yeah. And then, yeah, you like really get into your character more, not like role playing wise, but just like in combat, it's like, right, I'm going to do this. Like everyone wait until I position myself and other people, you Mm. just like know your roles after a while, like, you know, like in a football team or whatever, you don't need to tell the striker that he's going up to top. (laughs) Of course he is. Um, And that, and that kind of happens here. So it's nice to see over time, the practice that you've had in battles generates uh like un you know you know you don't need to constantly mm. talk like you just know what where other people are going to be at a certain time you yeah. know kind of what they're thinking um one of those so like where you nice. evolve and level up as a player and it's not just necessarily you get better at this combination of buttons it's that your understanding of what you can do with what you have available yeah. is what levels up and evolves obviously your character levels up but you yeah you evolve as a player and so you but be- yeah the more you play with the same people i imagine as well the more you become that tiny yeah, yeah. team and, yeah and you know what works for each other you know what people sort of quirks are like for good mm-hmm. and bad like so one character <laughs> i won't name names or one player um as a Leroy cleric Jenkins. as a cleric i will always use shield of faith on them to, to buff up their armor class because they're just going to die otherwise because there's just, just like, I don't know why you're doing that every round but, they're, they're but is even it a- is it chicken and egg do you think like do they do they are they oblivious to that fact and they just play the way they play and you're there kind of well, sil- no, silently protecting them or do they do that because they know they can rely on the fact that you're going to do that for them and then yeah. they that frees them up to lead yeah, Jenkins maybe. into battle you know yeah maybe I should just <laughs> stop doing it but the um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I, uh, I, I, they, Larian haven't said when the game is coming out, other than beyond it would come out at some point in 2022, the full, the full thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine, given the scale of the game, that it will probably not be out before second half of next year, I reckon right. summer or so. I don't think it's going to be like January or February. Mm. Um, which is a shame because we've kind of played it all now. We're just mopping up last little bits. Well, this are... is what I was going to ask you. Are, are you basically now just ready for it to come out? Or it, do you have the appetite to go back through it with multiple different characters and all of that stuff? Like, I'm not are you going just... through Act 1 loads of right. times. No, Act 1 is what you can get in the early access. I'm not going back through that loads and loads of times. I've played do you know if that now. carries over? Do you know? Does the progress carry uh, over? I doubt it does because I don't think just all the character again. classes are even in the game. And, right. and there's balancing sure. changes and stuff that are happening all the time. So you I don't think right. they'll be able to keep the old balancing into the new mm-hmm. new patch mm-hmm. updates or new final release. So no. Uh, and, and I guess that's a good thing in a way that it's not coming out immediately because I don't know if it was coming out next week and we've just finished Act 1 now and it's like, right, now go and play for Act 1 again. It's like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like a break would probably be a good yeah a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wonder if they'll do, if they'll deliberately take it 
you know, uh, make it unavailable in order in order to build up to launch. It would sound like it would make sense to do that because you don't want to, yeah, you don't want people playing through Act One and feeling they've accomplished something, and then it's like, oh, the game comes out next week, and by the way, you've got to start again. Yeah, maybe. Can't be bothered. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's good. And 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 is is it a multiplayer? I mean, obviously, it's a multiplayer game. Is it for you personally? Is it a multiplayer? only like is it a thing that you have any interest i think in going through single player you I, mentioned you played it single player but is that yeah, of any interest i mean really? i don't know yeah yeah i would but i i would play it single player but i prefer not to given that mm. what i've played now and given that i've played divinity twice mm-hmm. i'm about to start a third time as well because <laughs> the people that i'm playing Baldur's gate 3 with haven't played divinity so i was like oh, okay we finished Baldur's gate 3 now so let's go back and play divinity and now i'm just at a point where i'm just going to be involved in combat really because i know yeah. the outcomes of most of the decisions that i'm still expecting in divinity 2 third playthrough that there will be things i've never seen before because mm. the game's mm-hmm. just so dense um, but the big, the big overarching storylines, I know what they are. So I'm just going to stay out of those, the narrative decision making. Well, you'll maybe have to talk to us about that experience because I think that might be like, you know, like a, a veteran divinity player basically shepherding three complete noobs through it. Yeah. Uh, well, they make would, all yeah, the wrong dis- conversation options, <laughs> start loads of battles, and I just have to save them in the battle every time. It's Here a we lot go of reloading. Again. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, I mean, there's so much to say about Baldur's Gate. I mean, even in, even in that one. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, Alarian, I don't know. They just don't, um, I mean, Divinity Original Sin 1 was good as well. I've never actually finished that because I went back and played that after Divinity 2. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also very good. And then, um, <clears throat> yeah, Divinity 2 and Baldur's Gate 3. Like their worlds are just so mm. so incredibly deep. Like just uh, even in this Act One early access, just like the secret stuff, the random stuff, the um, or the stuff that feels random, and like the different conversation options. There's like cat whole character that are companions that um, I didn't even know you could get. Like I killed one yeah. of them. Um, didn't know that was a shot. Cho- didn't even know it was possible that they could join you. Um, it looks like a content creator's dream from the amount I've seen on either Twitch or YouTube, like just the amount of different things like we're exploring this storyline or this is what happens if you choose these dialogue options with this person. Like, There's just so much variation, I suppose, and so many different yeah. ways that you can play it that that's that's awesome. Uh, and yeah, it's yeah, incredible. It's, yeah. Dig into it, dig into it a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I could jabber on about that for another two hours, but... Um... So yeah, Vanguards is my other game, which I've just finished playing, and mm-hmm. then that Dragon Cancer uh, is yours. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do we want to end on? Call of Duty well, or that Dragon Cancer? Yeah, um, I mean, I would say. Well, let me it take. Probably a, makes sense to go Call of Duty as the last thing, right? Yeah, like I think it's, so. it's much smaller so. amount of content, and yeah. Well, I mean that. Yeah, okay. So that Dragon Cancer is a game that I bought via the Humble Bundle several years ago probably um either when it came out or very soon after it came out and it was released in 2016 and i've had it for a long time and there's a couple of uh, just sort of quick anecdotes about this game that i found really interesting so i bought it what would have been several months after the birth of my first child and I, through having a child, met a couple of dads, as just is what happens, and doing NCT, which is like 
parent classes for people who have never had a kid. Um, and I met them and we went to the pub post, like wetting the baby's head kind of thing. And we were talking and I mentioned that dragon cancer and I said, this is what it's about, which for those who don't know, it's a, it's, I mean, it's inspired by real events. It's, it's, that's not, that's not even really the right way of putting it, but it's, it's a family's, um, it's a family's interpretation of their experience with one of their children who was born and developed cancer at a very early age and died, uh, age five. Um, and it was released on what would have been his seventh birthday in 2016. So it's a very raw, very, uh, it's the kind of thing that I approached with a certain amount of trepidation because I now have two young children. And when I mentioned that this is what this thing was to these two other dads, um, one of them said very pointedly, like, why would you want to play that? Why would you want to experience that? Yeah, a friend said something similar to me. He's not a father, but when he he just phoned me up and he was like, "What are you doing?" And I said, "I'm playing this game." And I explained it to mm. him, and he did well. One, he didn't know that games could be that, and two, exactly. it's like, "What's yeah. why are you doing that?" Yeah, and that those both of those things are exactly that. It's it's that there is a whole world of games that we take for granted as people that are immersed in it regularly. That people on the outside, for whom video games are FIFA and Call of Duty. As in, that's what they believe video games are, and that's Fortnite. the entirety of what they are. And Fortnite um, are incredibly surprised when you say, "Yeah, there's these games that tackle these subjects," or "There's this game I played the other day that made me laugh, or made me cry, or was just I can't stop thinking about." That's news to a lot of people, and that's that's inevitable. But it's also a bit of a shame that there isn't yeah. the mainstream exposure to make everybody aware, at least that games can be this and it's the same with with tabletop games with board games as well i think there's lots of people that think of those as being monopoly and cluedo and that's basically yeah it. well my friends the friend i refer to he said so like what, what's the end of level boss look like, and I was like well there isn't one really <laughs> yeah well exactly and that's even that's interesting because that means that 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 kind of that language of video games ha- has seeped into the the mainstream and that they can you know boss levels and boss fights and oh you hit the boss three times on the week the glowing weak spot some of some of this language has definitely seeped through to mainstream understanding and culture particularly with certain films and things um but yes there was definitely that thing of like i didn't know a game could do that and then also why would you want to experience that and that and this was very specifically as a like a new father to a new father why would you want to experience that and play that now as it turned out at the time it seems i didn't really want to subconsciously because i didn't it's only very recently that i played it i played it in august for the first time 2021 um and so yeah but as to why i would want to i mean that's i kind of very glibly sort of shot back with well you know you don't only watch films that make you laugh or that make you happy you want to experience other emotions beyond just being happy all the time so there's a you know there's a very sort of basic obvious reason as to why you might uh try and tackle or experience something like this because you want to you just want to try and understand something from a different point of view and so i went into this this game with a certain amount of trepidation because i didn't know how i was going to feel about it um or how it was going to make me feel I remember the, uh, in the What Remains of Edith Finch, uh, game, which we did some playthroughs of on YouTube, actually. There's, yeah, we've got a an scene interview in that. with, um, um, yeah, we have, yeah, with, uh, with Giant Sparrow, um, Ian. Way back I in our archive. Yeah, it is somewhere in there. Um, 
Yeah, there's a there's a segment in that that you play through a child in a bath. Um, I won't say much more than that, but it's it's for me it was very powerful, uh, and I was kind of dreading that bit of the game that I knew existed. So I came to that Dragon Cancer, started playing it, and I would say that whilst I've played a lot of games, I've played enough games and you know written professionally about enough games and consulted on enough games to be very uh kind of i guess well versed or qualified enough to be able to talk about the game and the mechanics of the game the thing that i would consider myself to be not qualified or even necessarily justified in in assessing is this family's interpretation of their experience that they've put out to be experienced as a game because i've got no i've got no um understanding of that well, no experience of that. I understand it, but I've not had any real first-hand experience of that. And so I, it seemed odd even playing it as a game. It seemed odd that it has a Metacritic score. It seemed, you know, I understand why it does, but it's, it's like, this isn't, I'm not here to say, is this a good game? Did I enjoy it? Did I have fun? Uh, I'm just here to experience this thing that has been put out in the same way that you might experience a, a song or a, a, book or you know a deeply personal documentary or whatever it might be and to that end i'm really pleased that i have experienced it um i it it didn't do what i worried it was going to do which was like leave me in bits and i think that's for me my my assessment of that or interpretation of that is because it's a very personal um it's a very personal interpretation of their experience and so there's stuff in there that isn't that i understand intellectually but i don't necessarily sort of connect to um but yeah i'm i'm glad something like that exists and it's you know the the whole art artistic kind of expression thing i'm glad that somebody wanted to use a video games as their form of expression you know they could have and perhaps they also did but they could have written a book or they could have written a song like whatever it might be but they chose video games to express that and i'm and i'm pleased that it exists of course the reason it exists is is a sad reason that it exists but it's i'm glad that they chose that way to express that so yeah well they have they have a a a unique uh the form of it makes you uh, enables you to be able to do unique things so again to go back to that friend so when i was sort of explaining that there are a lot more sort of serious games and sort of thoughtful games out there beyond Fortnite and whatever um i sort of in order order to sort of uh help ground him in understanding it i sort of explained it in that there's a value to having these sort of things in a game or in, in an interactive experience because if you compare it to other forms, then I always think that books are about seeing into a person's mind. Films are about watching people do things, the actions that they do, and then games are being the person, being the character. Uh, that drain cancer is a little bit different because you're not quite the character, but you are still. Like, you are... You're... you're, you're um, you are still performing actions within these worlds or these thoughts often in that dragon cancer, these memories um, or interpretations of these memories. Um, So it does put you because you're being in there in this, in this space, it does put you in a different 
um zone it does sort of like uh open you up to interpreting in a different way than if you were in someone else's head or if you're watching mm. actions played out on screen so it's not that it's i wouldn't say it's better than writing a book about it or a song about it or watching a movie a documentary about it, whatever but it is a different form of um emotional consumption and reaction it does put you into a like psychologically it does put you into a different space by having to be active within this thing that's being presented and when things use the form that they are to very good effect so as a brief example of that there's a moment where uh there's a dream sequence effectively and you are the son joel is um kind of he's holding on to these balloons helium balloons effectively which are made of the hospital um like surgical gloves blown up and he's holding on to a, a bunch of these and he's floating and you're navigating him through effect what is effectively a maze of uh cancerous tumors that are all spiky and so if you run into them they can pop the balloons and at times the camera is obscured. At times it feels clunky because the direction that you're pushing doesn't necessarily directly match up to what's on screen. And inevitably all of the balloons will pop and then he starts to fall. And as his dad, you, you wake up and that's where the point you wake up. The, the form there is matched entirely to the content that yes, it's awkward to navigate this. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's frustrating. Yes, it's, uh, and, and inevitable that you're going to fail. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. It's inevitable. I don't, you can't quite unquote win that. No. And it directly, it directly ties into what the game is about, you know, and it's like there is no other ending to this story. And so that's, uh, yeah, I found it to be. I found it to be powerful, but almost it, quite unsentimental, I think. And I hadn't really thought about that until now. It was, it does expose the challenges that this couple went through as a married couple, that they had different points of view at times. And it shows that it doesn't shy away from that and just show it all to be, Oh, we loved our son dearly. Here's a thing to commemorate his life. It shows the challenges that they faced with each other and within their relationship. And I think that's. That's it didn't have to do that. I think that's a very brave thing to do. Um so yeah, I would did I enjoy it? I mean, I I'm pleased to have had the experience. I would say to people, I mean it's like it's not even 2 hours long. So I would say to people play it to see what it's like and and you know the the notion of like value for money and that kind of thing i i part of the reason i bought that was to support the the cause that the that the game was produced for um so the notion of like oh it's only 100 minutes long is is really neither here nor there to me um yeah. but yeah it's a thing that i think people should experience and um, there are many games like it i mean john you mentioned recently the that heal hitler game that you've yeah, been, hit, yeah. been playing i wouldn't say it's like, quite like that but no um, for sure but it's just a different you know it's a very different thing it's it, that's definitely one of those if you explain that to somebody they would say i didn't know games like that existed and that's you know that's awesome that's it's good to have games like that um so to go from and it's also good to have games like call of duty that come out Absolutely. every single year <laughs> you should everybody should support call of duty because I'm, I'm worried that they don't get enough uh players but yeah, to go from a game that is very much, uh, like that Dragon Cancer to, to something that is Call of Duty with that they are opposite ends of the scale on many, in many different ways that I'm not going to get into because I'm sure I'll dig holes for myself. Let's suffice to say they're different experiences. 
You've been playing the Call of Duty uh, Alpha, is that mm. right? Alpha since Friday. Um, since what's been Saturday, what, I think it came on since Saturday. Saturday. What's what's been um, the thing that you've kind of either most enjoyed or been most surprised by or been most pleased about? Like what's going on in Call of Duty uh, this year? Well, I mean, you only get a tiny sliver of it, so you can only play one of the multiplayer game modes. So, to, right. so I don't know what's going on with it this year. Just from this alpha that says you only mm-hmm. get this tiny sliver. Um, so yeah, the game mode is called Champion Hill. Uh, so there are eight teams of two in this single, um, single space, but you only fight other teams of two, like one on one. So right, yeah. Um, at the start of the game, uh, you're just randomly assigned a match against another team of two, and the matches are very short. And in that time. Uh, so you, each team, each team collectively starts with 12 lives. And within each game, within each two versus two skirmish, you might, the other, you might kill the other team three times. They might kill four times. Right. So then you leave that with eight kills and nine kills left respectively. And is that time limited or is that like objective limited? Are you trying to do a thing or is it just, no, the, no, you no, play it's just a straight up death match for right. a couple yep. minutes. I can't remember how long each round is. It's, they're very short. Um, and then, yeah, you leave with four kills and the other team's got three kills. So then you've got that many lives left. So then when you go to your next round, you might have died three times in your first round. So you've got nine kills left, nine lives mm-hmm. left. But the other team might have died six times. So they've only got six lives left. And then once you're down to zero, you're gone. So that team yeah. is eliminated from the um, <clears throat> the competition. Um, so it's good. Like, so when you... Uh, like towards the later rounds, if you've got like two kills left, the other team uh, lives left, and the other team's got two lives left, and it's really tense. Um, and the style of play tends to change as the game goes on. Like at the start, people are just like just flying out there, whatever. We've got twelve lives left, let's go. And then like once you've got two or three lives left, it, it really slows down a lot. Uh, and people are playing much more cautiously, uh, especially if like you've got like two lives left and the other team have got like eight lives left because they've mm. done really well. And it's like, oh God, they can, they can really afford to take risks. We can't. So we probably have to just sit back and camp, especially, or try and snipe them. So you, are you just whatever. trying to effectively survive in that scenario just to make it through, through to the each final, round? Basically. Yeah. Through to yeah. the, when there's just two teams left. Um, and I mean, it does have its problem. Like, I like the game mode because it's pretty original. Um, and it does, um, it does have like a, a pacing that sort of changes as you go and it's tense. Um, you're constantly going up against different players. So you're kind of experiencing different tactics and bits. Um, as you go, it's not perfect though, because as you go on, in the game uh so between every few rounds you can go to so you earn money as you play mm. for doing kills and uh performing kills and whatever winning rounds um and then every now and then you can go back to a central hub and just buy weapons to upgrade your stuff and that actually ends up being a bit of a problem because at the end people can be so powerful or they've got mm. such powerful gear that they're just randomly chucking grenades around or like <laughs> napar like incendiary rounds and it's mm-hmm. just like it just becomes it can become a bit farcical and what was really tense gunfights at the start yeah. just using straight up weapons become just this mad just explosions going on and bombs being and fire everywhere and it just all become it can come it can come a bit 
a yeah. bit silly. Yeah. Um, Sounds a bit sort of more like win more. I can I can imagine kind of scra- one team scraping through. Obviously, to get to the final, you need to have eliminated. Well, I suppose that's my question. Do you need to have eliminated other teams, or do, do other teams just need to have been eliminated? They need to fall off the bottom of the ladder, yeah. effectively. Well, I mean, yeah, that's another thing. You can kind of just play very passively from the start and just work to stay alive and not lose yeah. lives rather than kill and just hide for yeah. the game, which is easier said than done. Up. Yeah, it's yeah, easier said than done because yeah, the way the mini map works and stuff, you can't just hide all the time. Um, but you can just try to keep moving and avoid people, and it, beca- it can become a bit silly. So yes, you could towards the ends, you could have a team that still got all of their lives, but mm. they've only done two kills or whatever. yeah. So if hardly got any um, gear versus a team that's got very few so, lives but have one loads and I've got loads of gear. Yeah, yeah. So it, yeah. it can be a bit. Silly. So I mean, but it's an alpha. There's there's balancing to to be worked into um, yeah, this absolutely. game mode yeah. and like spawn killing is a pretty bad issue or well, wasn't the alpha I mean the alpha's finished now but um, mm-hmm. so but you know spawn spawning locations is something that uh, Call of Duty struggled with quite a bit it's, it's a lot better than it used to be I remember like the old Modern Warfare days back on 360 they just didn't fix the spawns for ages like it was just crazy mm. and, like, and I was taking advantage of it like other people were <laughs> it was just silly um They've gotten better at it, but it takes like four or five weeks after release for that stuff to be kind of worked out properly. And there's still going to be players that are annoyed at it. Like yeah. some, for some players, a single spawn kit was too much, but that's that's never really going to be solved yeah. fully. But this was, um, by, by it being an alpha, that is inherent to or implicit to, to the very fact that you're playing an alpha. Like that's partly what yeah. it's there for, right? To, to yeah. iron out or to help assist and generate an, a huge amount of data to then be analysed and say, yeah, this stuff needs to be rebalanced yeah. and changed. So, um, I think one of the things I like about it the most is, and it's probably going to make it even less attractive to you, is that <laughs> movement... <laughs> movement is really fast and like oh, you really Lord. like pop no. you really like pop in and out of like crouch and moving moving through like yeah turning and strafe speed and everything like it, it really um if you're an aggressive player and you like to use I, I haven't played it enough to know for sure but i would imagine that if you're an aggressive player and you like to use a shotgun or some sort of submachine gun close range weapons I like you. um <laughs> then you could you know, i think you could probably do really well on this game so long as they keep the movement speed and stuff um, right what, what i hear when you say that is oh so it's one of those games where i can be killed 10 times without really even knowing where any of it's coming from that's that's what i'm hearing <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, because my reading of it is, oh, I'm dead again. All oh, right, yeah, yeah, I guess probably. I got shot. And then I turn um, around that way and I get shot in the back. You know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. But hey. Uh, I we mean, should team I'm up. Not... We should do a video. We yeah. should do a stream of you and me playing. Oh, oh dear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it hasn't made me wildly excited for the whole game as a whole. I mean, I'm as excited as, as I am for any Call of Duty, which is, you know, kind of, I'll play it for sure, but I'm not like kind of counting down the days. Um mm-hmm. I'm much more interested about Battlefield um, because, well, it hasn't been a Battlefield for a while, so that's a big, a big part of that. But um, Back for Blood, I'm interested. I'm not, an, I'm not a first-person shooter, really player at all. But Back for Blood as a team-based thing that harks on like Left for Dead and stuff. I'm, that's what I'm, I'm interested in. Doing. I'm sure we'll play that and talk about it at some point in the future. But yeah, yeah I'll leave sure. Call of Duty and uh, Battlefield. Yeah. To you. Um, so yeah, no, it's good. Um, 
yeah, the Champion Hill mode is good. There's a lot of hate for Champion Hill online, which I, I kind of get. Like for, I think people are just more angry about the same things I've mentioned, but I mm. I can give it a bit more slack because it is, it is a new yeah. mode and it is, I'm curious yeah. about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's so four very different experiences. I think it's fair to say Baldur's Gate three, uh, Call of Duty. Vanguard. 2021 <laughs> <laughs> Vanguard uh, Operation Tango and that Dragon Cancer um, and yeah as we mentioned we, we've played a lot of other games in August of course these many of these games did not come out in August at all but this will be something we do each month where we just look at what we've been playing irrespective of whether it came out that month or not um, as we mentioned at the top, there's Humankind and Psychonauts 2 that did come out in August. We've bo- played both of those quite extensively, and we've got episodes up for both of those games. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to hear. I'd be interested to hear what other people have been playing in August, and, and maybe we'll uh, we'll get a little discussion going on, um, you know, kind of throwback games and and very current games. Uh, and until well, until next week, I guess we'll we'll sign off and. See everybody this time next week.